Okay, we are in the, the Gospel of John, and if you have your Bibles and want to look, we've just started. We started last week with John chapter 1, and where that's where we are. So it's an amazing, wondrous thing that we get to look at together. Super excited to do it. Wanted to start this way, because today we behold the Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I was back in Nathan's office this last week, and um, Nathan's got this sword there. So I picked up the sword. Yeah, he poked his book to send enough. What? What? What did you do? He has this sword. So I picked up the sword and I took the sword. It's this long thing. It's probably almost three feet. And I took it with both hands and I raised it and I just slammed the table. Nothing happened because the sword was made of foam. It's one of those Nerf things, you know, you can go back and see it. It's, it's, it's fine. It's that. But if I had done the same thing in Sam's office, because Sam has actually, or at least at one point, had an actual three foot long piece of metal. That was an actual sword. You know what? Sometimes we are in this world, and it seems like what we're picking up is a sword of foam. And we've, we've looked at Ephesians, and we just did that last time about how we have this sword, and it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And yet for many of us, I feel like the things that we say, okay, especially for Christians, which I'm studying the Word, I'm in the Word, I'm hiding the Word in my heart, I'm doing all these things with the Word... But it's, it's almost like we, we don't actually get what the word is. It's not surprising to me because we have an enemy. The enemy we have is not unreal. It's these powers and principalities. It's Satan himself. And in the very first days from the garden, you know, what did he do? He took what God said and twisted it around. Remember when he said to Eve, he said, well, did God really say that? And he kind of took what God said and just shifted it a quarter turn. And all of a sudden, there's, there's a misunderstanding. There's, there's this thing that gets in us that we don't understand what the message of the word is. And that's why I've been thankful to be in John's gospel. And as we start, because we started last week, right, with this amazing big picture step forward. It's just before anything else existed, in the beginning, there was what? The word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. These big picture ideas we say the Word of God is actually Jesus himself. And and we start to see, and we're going to see, because that's a big, huge, massive idea, this idea that Christ, Jesus, our Savior, he's the Word. And how does that big picture thing become the, the actual sword of the Spirit that we're holding? The thing that gives us strength, the thing that actually we have to cherish, this the center of our life, practically speaking. Because what we need to start seeing, I believe, is that all, and we'll see it today, all of the Old Testament, the things we go back and sometimes we read it, and sometimes it seems boring, and we can have their stories and the Sunday school stories, and what that those are an arrow pointing us to our sword, part of the word who is Christ. That's opposed to some of the other things that sometimes we seem always to be hearing around us that Christianity is about these other things, being a better person, building yourself up. Somehow these other pieces, which that's the word and I'm holding it and I'm wielding it for justice. Know that the sword that you're holding is the word of God, which is what? The message, the person of Jesus. 
So as we move from this big idea picture of John's introduction, which is fantastic literature, we could spend weeks there, I hope if you memorize the whole thing. Now we're going to move into, into actual the practical story on shoe leather of how John presents that the word is Christ, that our hope is there. Behold the Lamb of God. Above all, sort of today, pointing to baptism, what it looks like. And, and this isn't show and tell over here. Actually, in the second service, we get to baptize somebody. We had baptism a few weeks ago, but there's a visitor from Alaska, and we're going to baptize her later. But, um, but we are talking about baptism today. I wonder if you really understand it. Okay, so we're going to look at this man called John the Baptist to start. We're going to look at his testimony. We're going to look at his purpose. We're going to look at baptism itself. And the purpose of these things is to get into our heart that we have the right sword. You've caught it. Jesus. Okay, so pick it up with me. We're going to start in verse 19 of John's gospel. And it says this. I'll put it on the screen. It says, And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Okay, pause there before we even go forward. So so come back with me. This is a new section because the introduction went to verse 18. And so now the curtain comes up. And we see John the Baptist. Right, that's the person we're looking at in these Jews or priests and Levites from Jerusalem. They're saying, who are you? So 2,000 years ago, this man, this is the testimony of John. And I want you to see the picture. So, so these guys come to John. They, they come to him in the wilderness, right? So they come out of Jerusalem to go find this guy who's living in the wilderness. And he's dressed in camel hair, Matthew tells us. And he's eating locusts, crunchy, dipped in honey at least. But so he's out there and he's preaching this message of repentance and he's baptizing people. So they come up to this and I just think of him as he, you know, even though baptism involves water, he's probably like dirty and camel hair and, you know, crunchy locusts. And, and, and he's sitting there, who are, who are you saying these things? He was preaching about repentance. You need to turn, he says. This message of God's wrath on sin, and you need to stop it or the hammer's coming. You know what? I like this message. I think that a lot of times we think it is the Christian message. We think the Christian message is this one. Wrath is coming. The hammer's coming. Turn. I know I grew up with this. Like John could just be Jesus. I thought that was, this is the thing. But that's John's message, Right? God hates sin. Stop sinning. Get rid of all the stuff you have and come and wear camel hair and eat dead locusts. Not, not, not that. I mean, I, I didn't hear that message. I heard something more along the lines of, of, of change yourself. Repent, turn, stop it. It's a prophetic message. An ascetic lifestyle goes right along with it, avoiding greed and acquiring stuff. So live in the desert and chow down on this, you know, high-protein insect. Focused on the right thing. So here come the Pharisees, and they're the law keepers. They send the priests and the Levites, but the, it's from the Pharisees, the students of the Bible, the ones who know the message, and they're steeped in this idea that God would help them if they kept the law enough. They're not against this message from John the Baptist, it seems. So they send these priests and Levites, because he seems like a prophet, and he fits the idea of what the law is about. Repent. Stop sinning. 
be better. So who are you, they say. And so that's his testimony, right? He, he confessed. This is his testimony. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. I know you think I sound like somebody God would send, but I'm not him. This is my testimony, and the main testimony he has is I'm not him. <laughs> I, wish, I wish we would say this first, huh? And they asked him, so they, they asked him, well, well, who, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he said, no. So they're thinking biblically. They're using the word. Why do I say that? Because in Malachi 4, it says that Elijah will return. In Deuteronomy 18, it says that one like Moses will come. I, I think oftentimes I'm like, well, they're just answering random questions from their... No, these guys study the Word of God. They've got the Bible. They should read it. They know it. They know I wouldn't even know to say. You know, Deuteronomy 18 says that one like Moses will come again. Are you him? I wouldn't even know to say. Malachi 4 says that Elijah will return. Are you him? I don't even know the Bible that well. They do. They know it. And they're looking for these people. Really important to them. I mean... But they're questions from a viewpoint, right? I've got to fit you into the word. What's the word? The law. The Torah. I'll fit you into the best message ever about God dwelling with man. And John's message of repentance and turn from sin seems to fit right in there. I get it. I mean, that's what a prophet does, right? Calls the people back to God because they're wandering, terrible people, and they need to come, turn, and stop sinning and obey. That seems to be John's testimony. And, and So they say there in verse 22, So they said to him, Who are you? Okay, you've told us who you're not, but who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Tell us something about you. Who are you? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Interesting. Now, I get it because he's in the wilderness and he's dressed in camel hair and he's eating locusts. But, 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 then, but, then, but then he knows the Bible and he says something to them. And he says flat out, I'm quoting Isaiah. Right? So how do you hear that? How do you hear this? This is kind of important for you today, not for those guys asking the questions. But when you hear that, what do you hear? Because it says, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, I know what I think. I fit it right into the law. What does that mean? It makes straight the way of the Lord. It means straighten out your life. Stop sinning. Be a better person. Do all the stuff. Hey, that fits in right with the Pharisees. Follow this law and obey God and everything will go right for you. Make straight the way of the Lord. Is that what he's doing? Do you remember what we read? I'll put it back on the screen for you. Come back with me to Isaiah. What do you think John's saying? Very interesting. 
Come back. He says, okay, remember Isaiah chapter 40? This is where he's quoting from. He's quoting from Isaiah 40. He says, it's comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Wait a minute. Wait, I thought it was make straight the way of the Lord because we've got to get it together. So God, no, no, this is a word of comfort. John says, I come a voice in the wilderness with a word of comfort. Well, what comfort? What's going Keep going. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare is ended. Her iniquity is pardoned. She's received from the Lord's hand double for all her. Tell her her sins are being taken care of. See how different that is than make the way straight, like straighten it out? Like, I want to fit it in. I want to fit John's message into all the law and say, no, no, but wait, I'm actually coming with a different message, says John. I'm coming with the actual prophetic message you need to hear. Comfort because your sin is about to be taken care of. Whoa. We'll finish that little piece so you see the actual thing. Because here's the thing. This is what he's quoting. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. And uneven ground shall become in the level. The rough place is a plain. Do you, do you see what he's actually... He's saying, it's going to be amazing. God's going to do something. It's radical. And it's It's comforting. Speak tenderly. Her iniquity is pardoned. Make straight. Not because you need it for God to come, because he's doing a work that you don't know and have never seen or imagined. I'm just pointing it out to you. I'm not the Christ, says John the Baptist, but he's coming. Well, okay. But what, what's, the, what's just the baptism thing then? I mean, it's baptism means you're, you're saying you're going to stop sinning, Right? Let's look. Verse 24. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. Yeah, we, we got that. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you're not, neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I mean, their big deal is just where it gives you this authority to tell people to do this stuff if you're not going to fit into our model of the law and the, the word of the sword that we study and we know so well. And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. And even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Wow. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So, so do you see what they're saying? Well, 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 why do you baptize? What's your baptism about? He doesn't answer them. He said, well, my baptism is for this and does this. And no, he says, he says, wait, wait, I'm baptizing, but my purpose is to point to one that's coming. And he's so amazing, I don't even deserve to, to touch his shoelace. His testimony is of the one who comes after him. Why baptize? Well, I baptize with water, but there's one coming. He doesn't answer. He just points ahead. And this starts to build. What's the baptism about? We'll get there. We'll get there. So this is a testimony. John's like, I'm not the one, but I'm coming. And actually, my whole ministry is to point to one who's coming. And you think I fit into this law thing. And you even hear, listener today, that I'm talking about getting it right and getting it straight. But I'm telling you, what's coming is what's important. 
In fact, he's got a purpose. This is the presentation of the gospel, of the message of the word by which we stand. So the next day, it says in verse 29, he saw Jesus coming toward him. And John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one, he says, I speak the law, I avoid the pitfalls, I proclaim the testimony, and here, here is the one. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. Okay, so here's the purpose. The purpose for baptizing, right? This is why he was baptizing in water. John was having people come and say, I I, I repent of my sin. And why was he doing that? It's so that Jesus would be revealed. That's what he says, right? To reveal the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So think with me for a minute about why John would say that. The Lamb of God... Jesus identified, right, as the sacrifice which would consecrate and save his people from death, atonement and consecration and sanctification and the taking away of sin. I mean, this is, this is, wait, this, this is the message of the Old Testament. Right, not, not just John proclaiming it, but what this book of the law, this Bible that we have, is about God's action to take and make a people himself. It's from the very first scenes of Genesis, right? They call the Proto-Evangelicum the first chapter 3. And when when the, the prophecy comes that there's a coming Savior who will strike the head of the serpent and crush him. I mean, it's, it's I think of, I think right away of Abel, who, who makes a sacrifice to God of the firstborn of his flock, while Cain is offering vegetables and doesn't get accepted i think of abraham in fact let's put this one on the board this is a really good one so 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 isaac abraham and isaac they're sinners just like everybody and god says take isaac you're going to kill him he deserves death so they go to that mountain right mountain right there they're going over to this and they go up and isaac says to his dad he says my father he said i'm here my son he said behold the fire in the wood where's the lamb this is the, this is Genesis. This is the first book of the Bible. This is the Torah. Where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And they went off both of them together. And he does, right? So Isaac doesn't die. Instead, God provides the lamb. I think we see it, for example, in, in Exodus. This is a huge one, right? Because the Passover is so linked and deep with meaning for who Jesus is, that when God was taking his people and, and taking them out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery and into his own land, is I'm going to take them out, that they didn't deserve to be God. So what does he do? He says, well, this last plague that's going on is I'm going to kill the firstborn of every single child in Egypt. Well, family in Egypt. Firstborn child. And the angel of death is coming over. No one will escape except my people. If you take a lamb, it's got to be a spotless lamb. And you kill it. 
and you put the blood over the doorposts of your house, right? That when you do that, I'll pass over and you'll be saved. God will provide a lamb. That's, that's Exodus. Did I pull it up already? Exodus chapter 12. This lamb without blemish, a male, a year old, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly shall kill it. And then they took the blood and they posted it over, right? God provides a lamb. The whole message there, right? The whole Bible's message is what God is doing for his people. And, and it gets twisted. What does it get twisted to do? What are they doing for God? How are we making sure we're obedient? What does that look like? Even later, and particularly if you think about with John the Baptist, so you think John the Baptist, right? So you have this um, team come out to talk to John the Baptist, and they're saying, hey, John, what are you doing? What was the team? They were Levites and priests. Remember how Levites and priests became consecrated to God? Let me show you. This is in Exodus 29. Now, this is what you shall offer. Two one-year-old lambs each day, continuously. It shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the doorway of the tent of meeting before Yahweh, where I will meet with you to speak to you. What did they have to do? The priest to talk to God. You had to take the lambs every day and kill it. Whoa. That seems like a great waste of lambs. But it's a picture, right? It's a pointing. People are pointing and saying, what was happening in the Old Testament, you want to be with the Lord. You, you want to be, have, have the Lord speak with you. You want to be, have access to him. What does it require? It requires a sacrifice. What's a sacrifice? A lamb. We search for other meanings, except here we have John the Baptist saying, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. He's pointing to the one who will remove sin through the shedding of his blood, the remover of sin. This is actually what Isaiah 40 is speaking of. Speak to the people that God will return. All the sin they've done will be pardoned. How is that going to happen? God himself will do it. So that's the... That's the testimony of John. I'm not that one, but I'm not even worthy to touch the one that comes. This is the purpose of John, but I want you to be clean and clear that he says, what's the purpose of your baptizing? What does that have to do with baptism? He said, this is, John says, this is why I baptize with water, but there's one coming that's baptizing with something more. That's what he says in verse 31. For this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. What? How do I make the link between I'm baptizing with water so that Jesus can be revealed to Israel? So, well, it must be that if enough people got baptized with water, then God would feel the pull and the push and we'd pull them on down here. No. No, no. Let's think about that for a minute. The baptism. Because this is the witness. Look. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. 
And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Don't miss what John is saying. I did this baptism with water, this external cleansing, this take a bath, this wash yourself, you know, you know, get your feet clean, get your body clean. You know, we do that too. We take showers. Doesn't work very well. Not for me. Maybe you do well with taking a shower and you're done. But I take a shower and then go running or I got to take another one. I got to take another one. I got to take another Why? Because you always are cleansing, washing, doing something to get rid of, rid of your stink, your dirt. You'll smell better. For, but there was this baptism. There's, while I was doing that for people, they were coming in and saying how sorry they were about sin. And that's a good thing. The law says, man, you are a sinner. It condemns you. And so they were coming and saying, oh, I repent. I'm, I don't know the way. And it doesn't work. But there was this time, says John. This is the amazing message. That there was this time when, when the Spirit came down. And the Spirit said, and he tells this story that we know. The spirit came down and the sky split open and descended like a dove. There's this voice from heaven and Jesus getting baptized, even though he didn't need to. And the, the voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You remember that whole scene? John was there. Jesus, Jesus didn't have sin. He didn't need to get baptized for the repentance of sin. He didn't have any. But as he associated with people, with you and with me, the sky split open. The spirit came down and this voice came saying, I'm so well pleased with my son. And the whole reason I was doing water baptism was so that you would see that you would see Jesus. Right? That's what he says. The Spirit came and remained on him and to identify him, to see him. And I have seen it, says John the Baptist. I bear witness. This is my purpose. Done. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, John. Isn't it important all the hundreds of thousands of people you helped make a symbol of repentance, of being sorry for their sin? Isn't it important to wash and get better and do better and try harder? And he says, no, 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 my purpose and all that stuff was just so when Jesus came, you see him. That's my purpose. That you have testimony that this one baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there's another baptism, right? There's a Holy Spirit baptism. How does Jesus baptize with the Holy Spirit? What is this? People often look for a special extra blessing, right? This inner circle, this way to come get baptized by Jesus. But this is the baptism of the Spirit, receiving Jesus. His body and blood for you. He will go to the cross. He will die as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His baptism is a sealing and a guarantee, not of a life lived better, not of finding a new gear of holy living, but as a comforter and a teacher that the message of the Old Testament is true, that the sword you hold, which is the word of God, is Jesus and what he's done, and this is the truth. God has worked for you. You are forgiven by his work alone, all who would give up on their merit and their action and say, all I have is Jesus for me. And the Bible says, John 17, for example, that to them, he gives the spirit, which is the seal and guarantee, Ephesians 1. So, so baptism with the spirit, this receiving of the baptism, our, our communion, our amazing reality of embracing that Jesus is everything. So John the Baptist, Baptist came and did this baptism. And sometimes we get confused and think that's the Christian baptism. Go get wet. Repent of your sin. 
Say you'll do better. Show me you'll do better. And John the Baptist says, are you kidding? That's the foam sword. The real sword is you go into this water saying, I'm Christ alone. And our baptism, the water baptism that we do as Christians, reflects the Holy Spirit baptism that Jesus Christ has already done for all who, who trust him, which is to seal you with the Holy Spirit, which is to say, yes, I am identified with this Savior. He's all I have. The message of the Old Testament pointed to the message of the New, that this baptism is the baptism saying, I will go into death with him because I will rise into life with him. None of me. All of him. So we've seen God's glory, and it looks like this. That's how Isaiah ends, you know, there, that little chapter where John, John has said, I, I'm that person, a voice in the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. The Savior came. He died for us. All who will receive him. So that's the message this morning. This is the wonder of holding the right sword, that the filling of the Holy Spirit happens to those who receive Jesus. He baptizes in the Spirit, and we just receive it. I have no way to get it. So what we're doing and what we do in baptism is affirm the spirit baptism that we have. Our water baptism is a representation, a receiving of the truth of the word. We receive our union with him. We come here to the real, real practicality of, hey, John the Baptist, he, he thought he was about this even. What I think I was doing was I was telling people to be better and work harder. And then I realized because all one day what happened into my reality came this man. And the Spirit of God came down. And the sky split open. And I realized everything was about it's him. This is the baptism of the Spirit. This is the testimony of John. Not a men message of repentance and improvement. A message of comfort, of summary, of repentance, sure, of I'm so bad. But there's a ray of hope that Jesus Christ has done it. And the Old Testament, an arrow pointing at our hope, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. The word became flesh is not some faraway story. It's the hope of our life. This is the thing we want people to see. Jesus. Take it in. Hold it. Stand on it. Let's pray.